This podcast contains paid advertisements, but more on that later. Welcome to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast, where I discuss how you can grow your business by the bootstraps. This applies to all entrepreneurs, from the person just starting up to the one that is already well-established. My goal is to help you grow. I am your host, Isaiah O'Connor. Okay, today's sponsor is Happy Scribe. What is Happy Scribe? It's a transcription service where you can record a video, a podcast, any recording, transfer it to Happy Scribe, and it spits out either subtitles or a transcription. So you can go and edit it, change it, turn it into a blog, or take notes. If you're better at taking notes audibly, you need notes written format anything you would need a transcription for they're great i've been testing them out they work really good it works really really fast go edit it save the files it's awesome check them out happyscribe.com if you use the affiliate link below it will help us out thank you so much for that now let's get into this so as i promised today we'll talk about the fall of radio shack Let's go into a little bit about what is Radio Shack for anyone that doesn't know. So for anyone that doesn't know, Radio Shack used to be an electronics store, which originally specialized in parts and pieces for radios, CB radios, uh, circuit boards, transistors, resistors, fuses, Batteries, 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 etc. It was a really cool little parts and pieces store. And it focused on mainly hobbyist stuff. And it was great at that. And they used to have a great staff that understood what they were talking about to help you learn how to use the parts and pieces correctly. Even if you didn't know it completely, they could at least get you pointed. They were pretty cool. Now, Back in uh, 2005, 2006, I can't remember exactly, I started work. I worked for Radio Shack for some time, which is why I've chosen to talk about them. Because I was there right at the end, not long before they started crashing and burning really, really badly. And I'll go into that because sometimes it's good to look at how companies fail as well as how they succeed. You need to look at both. So maybe I'll start doing that. I'll do a failure, and then I'll do a success story, then I'll do a failure, then a success story. I'll try to kind of keep the balance because we've got to know both. We need to duplicate success and avoid failures, right? And if we can learn from someone else, even better. Now, yeah, I was right in there right when things really started getting bad. So let's get into this. Radio Shack was originally started in 1921. And the first 40 years or so, they were Radio Shack. And then somebody named Tandy came in and purchased it. And it became the Tandy Corporation. They also did leather for some reason. I don't know why. But Tandy had a leather business and it brought it in and combined it and became Radio Shack because the original Radio Shack brand was nearly bankrupt at that point. 
that when the Tandy Corporation came in, they, they changed it around and they made it into a hobbyist store. They turned it into a focus on getting hobbyists what they needed to build what they wanted. Be it a shortwave radio, like I said, be it CB radios, be it uh, circuit boards, breadboards. If you don't know what those are, it's just a little board that you can add parts on to make circuits. All this cool little hobby type stuff. And this is what they were good at. This is what people knew them for. People would go there to invent things and get things built and do things for fun. It was a cool place. I grew up with my uncle working at Radio Shack, my great uncle. And it was really fun because they also had some really cool little fun toys. I'll never forget my little Radio Shack robot that you put a coin on its hand and it was a safe and it would eat your coin. And that was really cool when I was a little kid. So it was a cool little store for those of you that remember it. And they lasted nearly 90, nearly 100 years, what, 90, 94 years, 1920, original start. And it went bankrupt in 2015, so 95 years, which is very sad. But a huge corporation that dives after being around for 95 years. Think about that. That's crazy. So let's kind of look at some reasons. Now, I knew some reasons from being inside, and it was pretty clear with, for me, but I decided to go look it up, and I found an article on Investopedia about the problems that caused it to fail, and they had five major problems that caused them to fail, and I'm going to read just the kind of the titles from this article, but... With this, I'm going to add my own viewpoint as a person who's now run, started and run his own business, and as a person who was working there right in the mess of things with my other opinions on there. So as follow-up on last week's podcast, one of their number one problems I had was a high store concentration. They grew way too big. As I mentioned in Friday's podcast, that uh, in, in it was around Sacramento, they had 25 stores within 25 miles. That's really a lot of stores, and it's tech. Now, you might be able to get away with that with coffee, I mean, or a McDonald's or food. Because when you're hungry, you're hungry right now, and you're looking for the closest place, or a gas station, maybe. You're running out of gas. you got to get to the nearest gas station. If you get a gas station close by, you can go do it. Problem is, Radio Shack, that's not a great model, and they were cannibalizing each other. And I remember when I was working at Radio Shack, man, we had so many Radio Shacks in our district. We were fighting tooth and nail to beat out the other stores in the area. Now, one of the stores I worked at was in a prime location because it was actually a good step out and away from the other stores in its own little town. But even then, there was a lot of competition. And another part of that thing, which with growth I never mentioned, is 
if you're selling a product that is like batteries, little parts, pieces, speakers, radios, TVs, whatever, having enough inventory to fill that many stores can become a problem, especially if the stores are fighting each other for business. So you, you can have significant inventory problems. And we had inventory problems quite often when I worked there. Now we had a great store transfer system and you could order an item from another store and have somebody drive it up to you or you could go pick it up or you could sell it and sometimes the customer could pick it up from another store, which was rare, but you could do that as well. You could shift inventory around within the stores, that was easy. But the fact is, because there were so many stores, you usually just didn't have that much stock in your one store at one, any one time. So that was a big problem. Too many stores, too much growth, and too focused on having too many stores for a while there. Then came the online competition. Now, here's something I will probably do another podcast on, which I'm working on actually. In a, in a later podcast where I talk about can you compete in a retail environment in a digital age? That's going to be that's a big one I'm working on. Uh, I haven't done that yet because it's that's one I really want to have a really solid suggestions on how to do that and make that work. I want some really good information and data on that. I'm still working on it. So if you remember, kindly please reach out to me. Throw me an email if you have ideas. Come join my Facebook page, the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast Facebook page, and throw me your ideas. I'm really working on this idea. Now, when the internet came out, Radio Shack was not a quick adapter, and then they didn't do it right. First of all, the competition was there. All of a sudden, they could get parts and pieces they needed, especially if they didn't need it immediately. They could order online cheaper. They could find the unique parts on a whole lots of different places, make it very easy. They didn't have to go to a specialty store. They could just go online. So that was a big hit on Radio Shack. And in my opinion, that could have probably been fought back a little bit with turning the focus from, well, yeah, we have parts and pieces to we have a knowledge base to help you with the parts and pieces. Yeah, you can buy it online, but if you come to us, we can help you get the right product for your needs. We can guide you in the right direction. We can help you. We can advise you make sure you get the best product and focus on the service, not just on the product. And that was a big thing. The store I worked in, we were one of the top stores. We we really had high sales. And a large part of that was when people came into us, they trusted us to help them solve their problems. And we would get them the parts and pieces they need to solve their problems. That was a trick. They could have gone online, but they came to us because we they knew we would help them. And that's part of the reason we had a lot of repeat business. So that's one thing where our, our store did well, but not all the stores did. And not a lot of people looked at trying to get repeat customers. They were just trying to sell, sell, sell without 
trying to build a customer base and give the people a good reason to come back. And then the internet, when they did get a good website going with store sales on the internet, uh, product sales on the website, instead of integrating the website to work with the stores, to have things that were in the stores and on the website at the same time, they included online lots and lots and lots of internet only items. Horrible mistake. We had customers come in, I want this one, I don't want to wait for it to be shipped. Can you give this to me now? Here we go. And we could say, sorry, no, but if you order it, we can have it shipped to the store for free so you don't have to pay shipping, but that didn't work. The customers did not like having a whole lot of items online that they just couldn't go to the store and get, especially if they wanted it right now. It, we were fighting for sales against our own website. They were adding competition over competition against stores. And then to top it off, they added in competition against the internet, against their own stores. So we were fighting for sales from those stores and the internet. Not a great way to go. Then, right when I came in, and I've mentioned this before, they changed the focus to selling cell phones because when you sell a cell phone, you can sell a lot of accessories. Now, cell phones are not a high margin product. They're a good product, good margin, depending on if you got it a plan where the, the carrier would actually pay Radio Shack for the phone, even if the phone was a quote unquote free phone. If you remember the good old days of cell phone, when you signed up for a cell phone, they would charge you a penny for the phone. You wouldn't have to pay for the phone at all, as long as you signed a two year contract. Well, Radio Shack would get reimbursed for the full price of that phone. So if it was a $300 phone, we sold it to the client for a penny, Radio Shack would get paid $300. So we'd get the bonus of the phone. We would get the phone because it was being subsidized by the carriers. Now, our other main part of that was the, the high margin items for phones were, of course, the phone cases, the phone chargers, the headphones, the Bluetooth, the, uh, the extended warranty. All these little things are all high margin items, and that was our main thing. And so Radio Shack decided to stop being a parts and pieces and knowledge customer service store into, we're going to turn into a cell phone store. Now, this was really backfired. The, the customers got annoyed with it. I, I, know, I remember looking up Radio Shack and reading reviews and review after review after review was, I'm sick and tired of every time I walk into Radio Shack, they're trying to get me to upgrade my phone, which I just bought from them three weeks ago. Or I just got a new phone and they won't stop. Every time I walk in, they always ask me about my phone. Drove them nuts because people were not going into Radio Shack for phones. They were going in for parts and pieces and getting pushed on phones. At one point in time, they had a rule for a while that if you went one week without selling the phone, you get a write-up. 
If you went two weeks, you get two write-ups. If you went three weeks without selling a phone, you get fired. That's how focused they were on phones. And then, then of course, there were some changes in the industry after I left where the phones were being, you know, with smartphones, now you pay full price on a payment plan on the phone. The margins dropped. Uh, and that really, really pushed Radio Shack towards bankruptcy when all of a sudden the the profit margin of we sell a phone for a penny and then the that's subsidized by the phone company, that stopped happening. There went that large profit margin. That really pushed Radio Shack towards bankruptcy. Now Let's see, there's something else in there I can't remember that happened. I'll probably come back. There's something about that phone thing I can't remember, but that's okay. Then management problems. Uh, from 2005 and 2014, Radio Shack had seven CEOs. And when I was there, it was like two or three in a row. And it was just really, really bad. And the management was not just from the top. It, it was on every level. There was bad management decisions. Managers that were playing favorites. Managers that were not properly trained. I saw a lot. And I was an assistant manager there. And I had a couple of managers that, were, that I worked for that weren't great. I had one manager that was really horrible. But... I have I had one manager that was really amazing, a couple of managers that were really good. So, you know, it was mixed at the store level. And at the district level, we had a great manager, but then they brought in another district manager who wasn't so good. But I saw that a lot. I saw a lot of the shift up and the change up in different managers and bring in some managers that would say one thing. I mean, it was a mess. It was really a mess. Oh, and also one thing that was not on this article that was a big deal is they started cutting employees okay that's usually one of the first things you know when a corporation is starting to go under they start cutting employees every single time a company starts cut, cutting down their labor cost and laying off tons and tons of employees even important ones you know they're in trouble and likely not going to make it and Radio Shack did that. Radio Shack emailed a whole bunch of people and fired a whole bunch of people by email all at once. And they got rid of their tech support hotline and they routed all the tech support calls to the district manager's office as if the district manager's office didn't already have their hands full trying to manage the district. Now they had to handle all the tech support calls as well. And that, in, that included us. The store managers, assist managers, the store people had their own tech support line that they were supposed to be able to call to get help, to help the customer. That went away as well. That's a pretty big thing. That was not in here. That's a pretty big thing. That cost a lot of customers. That got a lot of angry customers and angry employees. That didn't help. Also in the management, the reason I left is the... The new manager came and they decided they're going to un unveil a new pay plan 
that was going to make everyone happy. And they said, we're going to make it so much easier for to get your to get your commission. You're going to make so much more money. Everyone's going to be happy. But the reality of that was we're going to cut your pay in half and we're going to call it a raise for the best. Now, let me explain that. The top salespeople, the people who did the best that made the most money were making commission already. It went like this. When you worked at Radio Shack, you had to sell $100 an hour to make commission. Anything over $100 an hour, you would make commission on 5%, which meant if you were working an eight hour shift, if you would have to sell over $800 and anything over $800, you'd make some commission on. Not a lot usually, but you'd make something. They changed that to something like you only need to make $500 an hour or $500 an hour, $500 a day. They cut it down. So you would need to sell less money, I mean less items, to make commission. So that was good. You'd get commission anyway. However, they cut the commission rate to 2.5%. The top salespeople were not happy because they were making good commission and they were losing money. Their top salespeople were losing money and so they quit. I was moving to a different back to a different town, so I quit as well. I mean, that was the last straw. I was done. Just as a general rule, if you have a person you're paying a lot of commission to because they are selling a lot of your product, don't fire them or cut their pay rate or anything else. They're making you money. They are worth every penny, if not a raise, because they are making you money. Don't do that. That is business suicide. If you get rid of all your top salespeople, you won't be selling as much stuff. So yeah, not a great plan. And then last but not least, Radio Shack also got into some really big financial problems outside of not selling a lot of stuff. They need to get some money to pay their bills, to stay solvent. And so they picked up a $585 million line of credit and a $250 million loan from another company. Now the problem was this, the $250 million loan came from, with the condition that Radio Shack could not close more than 200 stores per year without the permission of the lending party. So they had a problem here now. They had a large loan. They were losing money. They were competing against themselves. They were competing against other Radio Shacks. Too many stores. They had the online store competing, and they would need to cut down the total amount of Radio Shacks in the U.S. because, yeah, 25 Radio Shacks in 25 miles was just too much. They need to shut some of those down. 
but as terms of the loan, well, they couldn't do that. And they weren't able to cut down all the access stores in time to save the company because of that loan. Now, when I talked about being in debt and all the hidden dangers of debt, this is one thing I completely forgot about and is very important hidden danger of debt is when you go into debt, you may find yourself at the beck and call of your lender. You might have some terms in there that tie your hands behind your back and you're stuck. You can't do a thing without them saying so. There's a biblical principle, which Dave Ramsey loves to quote, which I will quote as well. It's in Proverbs 22:7, and it says, The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. And that's in the NIV. Some say servant to the lender, servant slave, but in this type of case, it's definitely slave. You can get yourself enslaved to the people with the purse strings. You have to do what they want you to do. They can take control of your company and tell you what to do. It's a big danger. It's one of those hidden dangers of debt I completely missed when I talked about debt. But I'm not afraid to talk about debt. I will continue to talk about it in the future. But yeah, going into debt. Growing too quickly, having way too much inventory. Yeah, there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you start messing around with debt. It can really mess up your finances and it can cause you to go bankrupt after being in business for 90 some odd years. So, yeah, again, not good. So, with all that, what can we learn from there? Let's let's look at the problems and what's 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 what can we learn not to do and how we can do it. So instead of growing so quickly and so big that you start cannibalizing on sales, use what I was talking about, precision growth. You want to grow within your budget, within the money you have on hand. Grow slowly. Make sure you have a target size that you don't grow too big or you're actually hurting yourself. So, so Radio Shack grew, 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 grew. So what can we learn to do? Grow, but make sure it's with a plan and very precise. Let's look at the second part here. Well, they focused on concentrating all their business into cell phones. That goes back to my podcast about don't forget your roots. And I understand the temptation. You might be selling a lot of stuff and come across one product that's very highly profitable and you want to focus on that. But if that product is a secondary reason to the reason someone comes into your store, comes and buys from you, uses your services, you don't want to get tunnel vision and focus solely on that product. If you do, well, you'll, you'll hurt yourself a lot. Because when people came into Radio Shack, they, the Radio Shack customer, your standard Radio Shack customer, came in for parts, pieces, batteries, CB radio, uh, police scanners, speakers, stereo systems, connections, wires, 
things to make the TV work, good advice when people knew what they were talking about. They weren't coming in for cell phones. They might think, oh, well, cell phones, electronic, maybe I'll swing by Radio Shack and see if they count me. Cool. But cell phones were not the main reason people went into Radio Shack. Their main reason was well, radios, wires, cables, everything else but cell phones. Now, granted, cell phones were highly profitable. There's something really good to sell. So, yeah, definitely sell that. Because a cell phone is technically a radio phone. If you really want to stretch it, it uses radio waves. It's technology. It's consumer technology. It's something that fits within the overall realm of what Radio Shack was. Parts, pieces, Khalil tech, cell phones, regular phones, the sold phones fit perfectly. And it's, there was nothing wrong with Radio Shack selling phones. Radio Shack sold digital cameras. They're not a camera store, but digital Digital camera's cool, yay. Thing is, people didn't go into Radio Shack just for a digital camera. They didn't go in for a cell phone. They went in for lots of stuff. And yeah, you wanna sell the most of a, the most high margin pro items you can. But if you do that, and the people who just wanna come in for a fuse are being sold a phone every single time they come in for a fuse, they're not gonna come in for a fuse anymore and they're not gonna buy a phone from you. You're going to drive away your customers. You forget your core market. You get tunnel vision and you focus on one product that really is great profit. But that's not why people came in. Matter of fact, uh, you know me and my movie references. I read somewhere where Pirates of the Caribbean had that problem. Where the original movie, Jack Sparrow, is of course one of the protagonists, but the story is about Will. Not so much about Jack, but mainly about Will. And when Disney made the stories about Jack Sparrow only, they didn't do as good because, yeah, he was an important part. He was one of the most important parts of the series, which I love, by the way. But people like seeing Jack Sparrow, but when they made him the main focus and they forgot Will, it didn't go as well. The movies didn't do as well. And I saw someone who did a review and said that's why they failed is because Jack Sparrow was a secondary character, an important secondary character, but not the main character, not the main character story arc. But everyone liked him, so let's make a whole movie about him, and it didn't work. It, it, it didn't make as much money. Anyway, so what about the website? Well, first of all, obviously, you don't want to compete with your own website. You don't want your website stealing sales from you, especially if you have a brick and mortar store. Now, you definitely need to make sure you have proper web integration. Matter of fact, I was talking to a client today and we we're talking about my website. He does websites and web stores and web shops. And he's talking, maybe you'll do better if you can get a web store up for your balloon business. I'm considering it. I haven't said yes, I haven't said no. But that might be a great way to integrate more sales and get more sales by properly integrating my business with the website. Proper integration. Not competing with yourself. Not blasting a billion people with emails that they don't want it. But proper web integration, proper use of social media. But it has to be integrated with your everyday 
stuff that you do. You've got to make sure it's working with your business, not against it, and not completely separate. And it's been tough. that's been one of the toughest transitions. I've seen business after business after business not make this transition. Matter of fact, the big mall nearby, I see a lot of empty stores, and I wonder how many of those had a very poor web presence, and that's why they weren't able to stay open. Just a thought. Now, again, I'm looking into that. Please reach out. I would love your input on how to run a brick and mortar store that can be integrated with a website and still have customers coming through the front door. Still working on that one. Please reach out to me. Facebook page, I would love to talk to you about it. Now, what about management? Management's important. And they had a string of bad managers. They had managers that didn't know what they were doing. Managers that would say the right things, but then do the opposite of the exact thing they just said. I'm talking about district managers. Um, even on the store manager level, I saw some amazing store managers. Uh, I worked for a couple amazing ones. One, some nearly, shoot, 15 years later, I'm still friends with, I still chat with him from time to time, see how he's doing. Great guy. So it wasn't all bad. But there was a couple of knuckleheads on the store manager level. We had one guy who just quit and left, and the employees just walked in the door. The manager said, here's the keys, goodbye, and walked off the job, leaving the employee with the mess of a store not knowing what to do. Went in and helped clean that, that mess up. Me and my wife were also assistant managers at the time. We went in and got to help clean up that store and fix it. But that could have been just an isolated incident. But I've seen some other of the, even at the store level managers, that they were a bit, they were good salespeople, but bad managers. Now that goes into the fix. First fix is if you're promoting somebody, matter of fact, the main fix is this. When you hire a manager, when you're hiring somebody into a leadership role, if you're promoting them from inside or if you're hiring from outside, take your time to hire. Say that again. Take your time. Don't rush. If you have a sudden opening for manager, yeah, it's you might need to have somebody covering that for some time but don't rush to fill positions, any positions, but especially leadership. You want to make sure you have the time to do the due diligence it takes to make sure that person you're promoting, that you're hiring is right for the job. Take months, three, four, five, six months, a year or more. If, depending on the level of manager, of course, but you have to make sure you take the time to look into the candidate, look into their story, look into their resume, make sure they're not lying on it. One of those Radio Shack managers, I don't remember if I mentioned this, but he was doing okay, but then they found out he lied on his resume. The top manager, the CEO of Radio Shack, the top guy, not was it CEO or whatever, the top manager, I can't remember the exact title, Top guy, 
board of directors, put him in charge. Turns out he was lying on his on his uh, resume. He lied on his resume. They fired him, and that was horrible. And then they quickly added someone else as soon as possible to replace him. But yeah, no, he was CEO. Yeah. And so that's just crazy. You, you can't have a CEO that you hire and then find out after you fired him that he's been lying on his resume. That's just insane to me. Why couldn't you find that out before you offered him the job and started paying him? You have to take time. Panic hiring happens all the time. I'm going to do a try to do a series on leadership and hiring and all that coming up very soon. But that's one of the things you don't want to do. Panic hire. Don't hire in a panic. When you hire and you take your time and you're strategic about it, and you have a plan in place, then you can avoid things like, oh, gee whiz, our CEO lied about going to this school on his resume. Whoops. And, oh, the next person, they're not working. Oh, the next person, I mean, wow. You got to take your time. Don't panic hire. Even if it, you have to struggle for a little time, take the time to get it done right the first time so you don't have to go through so much management. So, and then there's the Peter principle. And we'll just touch on this because I'm going to commit a whole podcast to this. And the Peter principle is basically this. It's when you promote somebody into management who is not fit for management, but the position they were in before, they were amazing at. Now, I've seen this the most with salespeople. You can have a person who is the most amazing salesperson on your staff. And so what do they do? They promote the salesperson into management. Now, the salesperson can get a person to buy the product, but they don't know how to train. They don't know how to lead. They don't know how to take care of people. And they are absolutely horrible managers. Not always. Some salespeople are great managers. That are great managers are great salespeople. That's not the point. Point is, you might have a person who is a salesperson, and because you're making a lot of money as a salesperson and you're doing really, really good, you get promoted up into management, and then you promptly fell, and within year, a, month, a few months to a year, you're fired or you quit because you're a salesperson. You're not a manager. That's not what you're cut out for. So that's another thing. When management, make sure you hire people that are good at management, that you promote people that are good at management, leadership. Not someone who's just going to be a boss and start throwing out orders. Again, that's another whole podcast, but this Peter principle is very true. You can ruin a company by hiring people, promoting people from inside who don't fit because that's not what they're good at. Then let's go on to my last point here. Sorry, I am actually reading my points here. Ah, yes. Lastly, and the big thing is, Obviously, don't go into debt. Avoid debt at all cost. Build up slowly. We're bootstrappers. We do it a hard way. It's hard, but we can succeed. 
Take it step by step. Don't go into debt. Build up. Buy. It's the old American dream story. You start off with a little cart selling your bananas. Then you get a bigger cart because you've sold enough to go buy a bigger cart. You sell enough bananas that you buy a couple of carts. You sell a bunch more bananas. Then you have enough money. You buy a store and uh, so on and so forth until you have a massive banana company that you stepped up bit by bit by bit by bit by bit. Working really hard. Takes a long time. But that is a solid company. Right now, with the coronavirus, I haven't done the research, but I bet you every company that had a large stockpile of cash and no debt was able to get through this a lot easier than any company that had no cash or low cash reserves and a huge stack of debt. The more debt you have, the more risk you get. And personally, I'm risk averse to any risk that I don't see a massive benefit from. So that's just my thought. Again, I don't like debt. I really kept me in a bad spot every time I go into debt. Don't like it. Don't think it's good. I think it hurts your business more than it helps. And obviously, 100% of companies that go bankrupt have debt. You can't go bankrupt if you don't have debt. Just a little point. Anyway, this has been a longer than normal ramble. I will see you next time. And uh, a little bit more upbeat. I'm going to talk to you about being a smaller company versus a big company. And how you can maneuver a little bit better than a big company. Anyway, you have it all. Good day. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Remember to get your free half-hour consultation by using our contact page and the links below. If you found value in this content, please give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform you use. It is very helpful if you share this with your friends. If you'd like to directly support this podcast, I have a few donation links in the description, or you can check out the show sponsors. You have been listening to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast, which is an Athos Business Solutions podcast. Our companion podcast, the Athos Business Podcast, which is hosted by Jason St. Clair. Our past episodes and related blogs, you can check out our website at www.athos.com, which is www.athoz.com or atheoz.com. Remember, you can also check us out on the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast Facebook group, where you can interact with me and other people who are bootstrappers and entrepreneurs. The link is in the description. Come check us out. I would love to interact with you. And until next time, I'm your friendly neighborhood entrepreneur, Isaiah O'Connor. See you later.